All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Wedding Talk Radio. And uh, I'm your host, Kyle Brown from the Bridal Association. Today, we get the pleasure of talking with Scott Kartsunas of Intelligence Inc. And I had to practice that, but I got it there. So, uh, but before we dive in, I just want to remind everybody, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a quick review. It's what keeps us in the rankings. So uh, this video and the audio from our podcast will be on our website, which is of course, Wedding Talk Radio. And there you can go back and check out all of our interviews. So now it's time to sit back, relax and enjoy our interview with Scott. So welcome, Scott. Kyle, thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Love having you here. I've known you for a little while. Long time. When did you start uh, DJ Intelligence was the first product, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is actually this month, our 20th anniversary. Oh, my God. And and you were right up there. I mean, I know that kind of ages both of us, but uh, (laughs) you were one of our first. Wow. Crazy. 20 years to think that we've been doing this stuff. And actually, I mean, how long have you been DJing? Because you DJed as well, right? For a while? I, I DJed prior to that, very, uh, all through high school and college. So it was like um, 91, I started my DJ company in Chicago and I ran all the way through 2003. And then wow. DJ Intelligence had, had just grown so much that, you know, decided to make that the, uh, the primary. Full-time business, huh? Yeah, sold sold my DJ company to my my number two guy and, he carried it on for many, many years and then ended up relocating. And um, he kind of, he still does it here and there, but for the most part is, is retired at this point. Nice. So you've got event intelligence, DJ intelligence. What, what, tell us a little bit about your suite of services. Sure. Yeah. So it, it started as DJ intelligence, as you mentioned, back in 2002. And, and essentially it was a, a suite of online tools that we had developed for my own DJ company in Chicago and originally was developed back in 98. And um, we had, uh, you know, had just put these various tools, there you go, on our website. And uh, over the, the subsequent years had been really bombarded by requests from other DJs asking, you know, hey, is this something that you would consider selling? We'd love to have it on our site as well. And of course, being sort of the egotistical DJs that we were at the time, (laughs) uh, we were like, no, 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 we're going to be the only ones in the world to have this technology. No way we're selling it. And, you know, I think at about the the 500th or 600th request of somebody saying, hey, I'll pay you big money for this. You know, if you're willing to sell it, we just kind of said, you know what, Um, maybe we're, we're looking at this through the wrong lens. And, uh, and so with that, you know, we kind of rebuilt the tools from the ground up to be more customizable, depending on the company's specific right. needs. And, you know, obviously cosmetically to match their website and we went live with it and it was, uh, you know, it, it, it took a while really to catch on because, you know, we had that initial block of companies that had asked us for it. You know, they wanted to buy the technology from us and, Rather than selling the code outright, which is what most software companies were doing back then, we decided to make it a subscription service. And of course, today, subscription services are everything. That's everything. Our whole life is a subscription service, you know, whether it's Netflix or Spotify, uh, you name it. But back then, that was really unheard of. So for us to go to companies and say, hey, you know, give us 100 bucks a year forever was really... <laughs> um, you know, there were a lot of questions they had, you know, I'm going to put all my data into your system. And the the whole cloud computing thing wasn't in existence back then. They're like, where's my data? How do I know it's safe? Is it being backed up? You know? And so we really had a good, um, you know, the first five years, at least I would say where we were 
just really selling the concept more than selling our service. And it, it took a long time, but, you know, now, of course, it's, it's just the way it is, you know, to, to buy a software program that you actually download and install is almost unheard of these days. It's, you know, everything is a service, it's in the cloud. And, and so now it's, it's, it's just really mainstream. But yeah, we, we evolved over the years from DJ intelligence into event intelligence. And we still operate under the DJ intelligence name for that industry, but we expanded beyond the DJs and we work with a lot of photo booth operators, videographers, photographers, you know, really any company in the event space. So, you know, we, we primarily go by event intelligence now, but, um, you know, we, our roots are in the DJ industry because that's, that's our background. That's who we built it for. And, and that's what we know best. And then over the years, we also expanded into this online directory that we launched called Party Blast. And that's just a, um, a North American directory of event service providers. There's about um, over 40,000 companies listed on that site. And, um, you know, it's just, we provided that as a service to help the, the many brides and, and party planners that were using our software technology to be able to help them to find uh, vendors for their event. So it's not our primary business, but it's, it's something that's there on the side and, and it does receive a, a very fair amount of traffic, all things considered. There's thousands and thousands of inquiries that are funneling through there on a monthly basis. So you know, it's a nice service that we're able to provide to the companies yeah. in the industry is got, you can get a listing on there for free. Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I love it. In fact, uh, I just was showing off the page, which, I, you know, yeah. the top DJ in Bakersfield, I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> there I am. So then they click on the link. And I want to tell you, uh, I share something. I know kind of going off in a left field because we're going to talk about trademark. But I've been using DJ intelligence or event intelligence for, like you said, 20 years or so. And the feedback I get from my clients is phenomenal. I just wanted to share this real quick here. So it's all totally integrated within my website. They come here. And one of the things that it's definitely known for is I think this most requests have. You go here. And I mean, how many users contribute to this list here, would you say? There's, there are literally millions of requests that go into the, the compilation because it's, it's aggregating all the data from all of our subscribers. So we've got you know, thousands and thousands of companies, which translates into hundreds and, and hundreds of thousands of events on an annual basis. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of data that goes into that. And, and you are definitely right. That's one of the, one of the things we're most well known for are the, are the charts that we put out. Right. Because this is, um, I mean, this is an, a rotating or ongoing aggregate. Correct. So, you know, it goes back 12 months and I'm using my hands like you can see me right now. But um, and these are the most popular songs at events, not just weddings, but events over the last 12 months. And the thing I share with my clients a lot is they're like, well, I don't know what to use for cake cutting. And they might know their first dance because that's something personal and precious sure. about their bouquet and their garter and their cake cutting and and stuff like that. They can come here and see what the most popular songs are for that at any time. Right. And I do remember, I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think I'm the one who caused this whole red little button here, uh, <laughs> the do not playlist. Um, Cause you have your green and that's your must play. And then your yellow is your request list, but then every once in a while, somebody's doing a second wedding or, or whatever, yep. and they don't want a certain song played. And that's where that came from. Um, yep. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. And, and, and you're, you're also right that it's sometimes almost equally important as the, as the must playlist, you know, for a, a bride, especially to say, 
that's the song for my ex. You know, I don't, I definitely don't want to hear that. And, you know, of course you get all the, all the usual, you know, I don't want the hokey pokey or the chicken dance. So we, right. you know, one of the, one of the charts that we publish every year that we don't actually show to the clients, to the end clients, but we show to the DJs are the uh, top 200 do not play requests because it's interesting to see what are the top songs. And it's, you know, it's always up there in the top three, the Macarena and the Hokey Pokey and the Chicken right. Dance. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, it's unfortunately, it's a lot of fun music, you know, that they just, they think that they don't want to have at their wedding, but, um, you know, but a lot of those songs tend to work later in the evening, especially, but, um, you know, but it is interesting nonetheless to, to look at the data. It's, yeah, it's really crazy. So anyways, I know like they were getting off on a tangent here because <laughs> we could talk all day about, intelligence and all the different forms uh that are i mean you can completely custom all your forms i have forms for the wedding timeline i've got forms for uh custom things that i do i got i mean there i probably got 20 forms 25 forms in there that all the clients can fill out which is amazing and then you integrate with other softwares out there as well so which is pretty yeah cool. yeah it's really a whole a whole suite of of tools from from the initial booking all the way through the event planning the, the follow-up stages event management calendaring keeping track of your events you know um the interface right now is going through a complete redesign big portions of that are going to be released at the uh upcoming show in vegas in a couple right. of weeks but the rest of it will follow there in the weeks thereafter. So, you know, in the next couple of months, you're going to see a complete transform transformation and modernization of, of the interface, fully responsive to work on, on mobile, you know, just basically everything that, that um, today's younger generation of brides and, and party hosts, you know, are looking for. So we're, we're excited for for the next chapter yeah, it's so, been 20 years so it's I know, huh? <laughs> time to do something big <laughs> yeah and we'll do another whole nother uh podcast all about that when it uh sure comes about i mean why as well anyways so today's topic and the stuff that we were going to talk about which also you're going to do a whole complete seminar on at the uh photo booth and mobile beat conference um in like i said in a couple of weeks february 21st second and third i think it is um at the south point hotel um, is all about trademarks. So I'm just going to let you talk a little bit about that and kind of go from there. Sure, absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen if that's all right. Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, trademarks are in, you know, in, an unfortunate area of business. You know, it's, it's not the fun stuff, but it is something that is, is really important. I'm involved with a number of businesses. I'm an investor in various businesses. And so as a result, I, I ended up having quite a bit of experience in this area and uh, my portfolio of trademarks that I manage myself is is close to a hundred different trademarks between my my various business interests. Wow. So, and I and I handle it all on my own. Now I say that a little bit um, uh, joke half jokingly because I will disclose that my wife is a is a uh, trademark attorney. So I, I I say I do these things on my own, but you know really I I have her there to kind of guide me and train me, and as she has over the years. So you know it's. Um, it was kind of natural for me to, to just kind of learn the process. And, and that way I didn't have to burden her every time I needed to do a filing of a trademark or a renewal. So it's gotten to the point where I've gotten very comfortable with the process. And as you'll see, as we step through this, there's definitely a time and a place to call in an attorney if, you know, if it gets to that point, but you know, the, the basic filing for companies like ours is, is a fairly straightforward process. And it's a, it's a relatively, um, 
a, a quick process, quick to file. The, the entire process of, of getting the trademark approved does take some amount of time, which I'll, I'll talk about. But the process itself that you would go through as a business owner to file a trademark really is not all that you know, time intensive and, and the costs are fairly reasonable. So, but really what I wanted to do was kind of step through this and, and really point out and highlight some of the reasons why I think it's important for businesses in our industry. And it's something that really shouldn't be overlooked. And with that, we'll go through a couple examples. So, um, you know, we already sort of covered who I am, my background, uh, but I did have that mobile DJ company from 90 to 2003 here in Chicago. And I think that that's what really kind of pushed me down this path with the, uh, with the DJ intelligence software and has, has kind of gotten to the point where it is today. So that's, you know, my background is, is definitely in the industry and I'm still very active in the industry. So uh, I love it. It's a great industry to be in. We already talked about this, so I won't spend any time on this. Event Intelligence, our software suite, Party Blast, our online directory. Definitely welcome everybody to check those out. Party and Blast, you can list your company for free. So if you're not on there, definitely just take advantage of the free listing. Absolutely. And those, those links will be in the show notes. So Perfect. 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 So that's that. I, I have to throw out this disclaimer. I always do just, you know, I'm not an attorney, you know, I don't, I don't want to pretend to be one. I'm certainly not here to talk and answer legal questions, you know, um, or give legal advice. So I have to disclose that. And I always, like I said, you know, I, I encourage you to, to reach out to an attorney, you know, if it's, if, and when that's appropriate. And, um, you know, some of the information I'm going to provide here today is really just uh, my experience with it and, and what I've learned about it. But, you know, always consult that professional, have to kind of throw that in there. So, you know, the big question is, what is a trademark? And I think the biggest area of confusion with trademarks is that business owners often confuse them with copyrights. And I've seen some businesses try to put the copyright symbol next to their business name. And they're really very different. So a trademark is something that represents or identifies your business and the services that you provide. It's most typically going to be your company name and your logo. But it's again, it's very different from a copyright. A copyright is a is a piece of of work. You know, it could be a, a a book or an article that you've published. It could be a song that you've written. It could be the text on your web pages could be copyright. But you're you're talking about a body of work when you're talking about a copyright. Whereas a trademark is really a symbol that helps customers or consumers recognize your company in the marketplace and distinguish it from your competitors. So that's the first big thing is that there is a, a major difference, you know, yes, you know, and this is a whole other seminar or a whole other uh, topic for a, a podcast, but, you know, yeah, you want to have that copyright symbol at the bottom of your web pages because you want to protect the content on those web pages. But, but that's very different from a trademark. And, and a, a copyright also for photographers out there, that might be your photo that you took. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's, it's it, it, precisely. So, you know, registering your trademark, as soon as you start using your business name in the marketplace, it's essentially your trademark, it's your mark, but your rights by default without filing for a trademark and registering it, your rights are very limited and they're very limited, not only in, in what you can do if somebody were to come in and start using your company name, they're also confined to just your local market. And we'll talk about here why that's important. Um, but certainly if you want stronger protection which gives you the right to go after somebody legally if they infringe on your trademark, and you also want nationwide rights, you have to register your trademark. And that's done through the US Patent and Trademark Office, what they call the USPTO. And that's what we're gonna talk about here today. 
and that's uh, USPTO.gov. That gov, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So some of the reasons why you might want to register your trademark, uh, certainly to protect from an authorized use from your competitors and also cyber squatters. And, and again, we'll, we'll take you through a couple examples of those. You might want to prevent companies in other markets from using the same name and hurting your SEO. And I'll show you an example of this, but you know, it could be, you might be in, in Phoenix and this other company might be in Chicago, but if you're operating by the same name and a customer goes to Google to look for your company, that could cause confusion and it ultimately could hurt your search engine optimization. I mean, when, when somebody goes to Google and types in your company name, you want to be coming up in that number one position. So again, you know, to, to have that nationwide protection from other companies being able to use your company name. Uh, registering it, as I mentioned previously, gives you the right to take legal action. If somebody were to infringe on your trademark, you can sue them in federal court and you can receive damages for their unauthorized use of your of your trademark. And one of the last points here, and I, th I think that this is one of the most important points is standing out as a leading authority in your market. And as we'll see, as we talk through this, you know, companies with that registered trademark symbol come across as more official and more authoritative in the, you know, in terms of, of how the consumers perceive these companies. So, you know, it's if for nothing else, I think it's important because it makes your company stand out as the authority and as a professional in your market. And, and I'll show you that example as well. So when we talk about cyber squatters, what does that mean? Well, you know, you'll see here there, that I can register today for $52 Starbucks.Boston. And if I was starting a coffee shop in Boston, I could register this domain. But because Starbucks owns that trademark, I actually can't do that. They could come after me legally and they could take that domain away from me. And this has become an increasing problem for companies because as I point out here, as of March of last year, there were 1,589 top level domains. So it's not just a matter of the .com, the .net and the .org anymore. There are literally thousands of different top level domains that you can register. And so as a business owner, you know, you can't go out there and register all of them. It's going to be an impossibility and cost prohibitive to do that. You know, you want to make sure you have your .com or your .net, whatever your primary website is, but it's going to be impossible if you're, if you're, um, you know, uh, ABC DJs, it's impossible for you to register ABC DJs.com, .net, .org, in this case, .buzz, .miami, .boston. I mean, so there's too many top level domains. So your trademark is going to give you that protection to where if you discover that somebody could be a competitor does register that domain and point it to their website, you can go after them. So if you're ABC DJs and you've got abcdjs.com and your competitor registers abcdjs.net and just does a redirect to their website and you own that trademark for ABC DJs, you can go after them and, and essentially take control of that domain. So that's, that's certainly one level of protection. And right. cyber squatting has been going on forever. These are just some examples um, you know, of, of companies that have attempted to squat on other companies' trademarks through various, you know, domains that are, are variations of the original. Uh, you know, PETA, uh, which is against uh, eating animals, has PETA.org <laughs> as their primary website. Somebody was able to register PETA.com and branded it as people eating tasty animals. And they were able to, to sue and recover that domain. And last one here was actually specific to our industry. This happened many years ago, but uh, my friend Andy Starr, who owns discjockeys.com, and it's www.discjockeys.com as his primary site, he had a, a competitor 
register www.discjockeys.com without the dot and point that at their directory. So it was like www dot. It looks like it, but there's no dot, you know, that's so, and and he, and he was able to go after them and he, he, you know, recovered that domain, but these are just some examples of, of cyber squatting. Now, when you get into the infringement by competition, there's a number of different ways that this could happen. These here are three real examples. I, I, I switched up the uh, company names just to kind of protect the innocent, if you will, but, but (laughs) these actually did happen in the past, you know, local competitor of party masters entertainment in Scottsdale, Arizona, using the term, we are the party masters of entertainment on their website so that they could get that keyword placement. If somebody were to search Google for party masters entertainment, that they would come up. And again, this is something that would be protected by having that, that trademark on the, uh, on the term party masters. Uh, example two, local competitor of high impact DJs in Chicago put high impact DJs as part of their, their website's meta keywords tag. So again, trying to trick Google. So if you search high impact DJs, this other site. Now I have to disclaim the meta keyword tag is not really used anymore uh, prominently. So that's that's right. not as big of a risk as it once used to be. But an example of of a term that wasn't even in the text of the competitor's website, you know, that the that the public could see, just that just having it in the meta tag is enough that you can go after them if you have that trademark. And then in example number three, and this is one that I see a lot even to this day, a competitor of Discovery DJs in Dallas, Texas bids on the term Discovery DJs Dallas in Google and their text of their ad, the the title of the ad for the pay-per-click campaign says, looking for Discovery DJs, check us out first. And this is an interesting example because it's actually not illegal to bid on another company's trademark as a keyword. So just the fact that they bid on the term Discovery DJs Dallas is actually not illegal. There's nothing you can do about that. However, it was the fact that they used the trademark in the title of their ad, in which case uh, Google has a form that you can fill out that says if you're the rightful owner of a trademark, they'll make sure that that does not appear in anybody else's ads. Interesting. So, okay. you know, just something, again, that kind of kind of goes on. Uh, and then here's the example of companies in other markets. And, and my intent here, I'm not picking on any of these companies because they've, from what I can see, they've all been around a long time. But, you know, we've got three companies with either Party Masters or Party Master as their, as their company name. And, um, you know, I went to Google, you can see up in the search bar, I type Party Masters Entertainment, and that's what came up. Now, I think what I was looking for was my, my colleague, Andy Starr, his company in Arizona. But if you were to search Party Masters Entertainment, he's actually the number three company that comes up. And these two above him are not competing with him. They're not in his market. They're ultimately of no threat to him really whatsoever, other than if a client is looking for him, they're not landing on the right site if they're clicking number one or number two in the search results. So this is where I think, you know, just having that nationwide protection is important. And again, not so much to go after companies in other markets you know, as a competitor or as a threat to you, but just to protect that company name so that you know you're the only one using it on a nationwide basis. And the last thing, one of the things that I feel is the most important is, as I mentioned before, just sort of being that authoritative leader, you know, what looks better, that party masters with the R symbol or without it. And, you know, I really do believe that, that, that having that registered trademark symbol lets consumers know that you're a, you know, you're a trusted recognized company. I think it helps you stand out as a, as a leader in your market. You know, there's a lot of uh, amateur DJs, as we know, that, that come in and out of the, of the market and, and 
eat away at some of the business of some of the more prominent and reputable companies. And I just think that this is another step that you can take to make your, you know, to differentiate your company and make it stand out and stand above some of those other competitors that are maybe, you know, just coming in and doing it as a hobby. So that brings up a question I have kind of, so is it, let's say like, I'm just going to use my company as an example, good time entertainment. Okay. Been around uh, that in that term since 94 ish, but so obviously anybody coming after that, I may have a claim on, but if somebody was around and they didn't register it, they didn't trademark it, but they've been around since 86 what happens in that respect? You know, I, I go and I try and register it, but they never registered or trademarked it. Well, as, as I understand it, it's a, um, and it's, it's not first legal to file. This is just, yeah. As, as I understand it, it's, a, you know, it's a kind of a first to file system. So if, if somebody were to come in and, and register and they were legitimately using it as their company name today, and you know, that they could register when, when you register a trademark, they're not doing an extensive search back to the existence of time to see if anybody else is using it. They're, they're saying, okay, you're showing us that you're using it. And what they do is they, there's a period where they call it's published for opposition. And it's only, I believe a 30 day window where they publish it on their site. And they say, we're about to grant this trademark. If anybody sees any reason why we shouldn't now essentially is your time to speak up. Now there may be ways through legal channels that you can, go after somebody, even if they get a, a trademark filed to try to, you know, invalidate it and show that you've had it first. Right. But I don't know that a, I, I'm assuming that's a very expensive process and, and B, I don't know how successful those, those claims are. You know, I think that the, everybody has the opportunity to register it. And if you don't register it, you know, you, you essentially are forfeiting a level of protection that, that you could otherwise have by, by getting it registered. Now, now here's the other thing. When, when you register it, if you register it today, you can list a first used in commerce date. In other words, you can go back to the date that you originally started using it. As long as you have some evidence of that, like your business registration or a domain registration or something right. that says, hey, I've been using it since this date. So they will list that first in use date. And then that offers you a level of protection as I understand it, because you know, you're essentially saying, this is the date that, we've, that we're going back to as the start date. Uh, so I think that that's important as well for, you know, if, if a company like yours has been around forever and you've never done it, that, you know, when you do go ahead and register it to go ahead and put in that original date that you started using it. So, Interesting. Uh, yeah, and certainly, you know, um, that, that could be something that I, I'd be happy to, to try to follow up and get more information on. But, you know, as, as I've always been, um, you know, told over the years is sort of, look, you know, the system is available and, and gives you the opportunity to, to register for protection. And you can either take advantage of that or not. And if you don't, then, you know, you're taking the risk of exactly what you said, you know, potentially company coming out and, and starting to do business and, and registering it and, and now sending a cease and desist to all the other companies that, that may have been using it for years, but just didn't take the steps to protect it. So, yeah. We talk about uh, what qualifies for registration. So again, trademark, um, very different from a copyright. So for a trademark, it's, a, it's something that represents your business. So it's typically gonna be your company name, your logo. It could also be a slogan. I've seen a number of slogans be um, registered over the years. 
trademark must be in use or you must have a bona fide intent to use it in the very near future. So, you know, again, your, your website is up, it's live, it's running, you're taking bookings, that's going to be the best case scenario. But even if you were planning on starting a, a company and you were going to go, you know, you were going to launch your company on March 1st, but you were starting to work on the website today, you could go ahead and file with the intent to use it on March 1st. But it, it has to be, again, as I understand it, very near future. It can't be like, hey, we're thinking of starting a business, you know, maybe a year from now. You have to really show intent that this business is ready to go. It's just not, not live yet. Um, the trademark must be unique. So I use example here, like if the name of your company is Chicago Wedding DJs, it's not likely something that you're going to get a registered trademark on because it's too descriptive of what it is. And it, it, you would prevent other companies from using that term. It would be like, you know, trademarking the term beer or something. And, you know, it just, right. it describes what it is. And so a mark has to be unique to your company. So uh, there are, as I understand it, rare exceptions to this, like if you were using a name like Chicago Wedding DJs and you have a, a 20 or 30 year history of using that in the market, they, there may be opportunities that they can, they, you know, they may give you some protection, but in, in typically if your company name is, is, you know, very descriptive, like, like it is here in this example, Chicago Wedding DJs or Chicago DJs or Chicago Music DJs, it's, it's not something that's generally going to qualify. And in that case, you know, if you have a logo, that might be the better option to go for. Um, and then it must not also be registered in the same class. And a class is these categories that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office puts these trademarks into. There's 45 product and service categories. And I'm going to show you here an example. It is possible to get a trademark, even if another company is already using that company name, if they're in a different category or a different class from you. And I've got a couple examples here, Pandora and Delta. And I'll throw in now their trademark descriptions. Pandora, this is of course the jewelry, the Pandora jewelry, and then Pandora down here, downloadable and recorded computer software for streaming, broadcasting, transmitting music. This is Pandora, the music service. Right. So two companies sharing the same name, same trademark, but they're in different classes. So they're able to do that. And the same with Delta, you know, obviously it's first one, Delta Airlines, air transportation, and then Delta, this is the faucet company that makes the, the kitchen sinks and, and the faucets and the accessories. So, you know, the, the classes become very important when you're, when you're trying to register your company name, you need to, so you're not only searching for that particular trademark, but you also want to see if it's in the class that you want to register it in the category. And if it's in a different one, then you're free to go ahead and, and file. These are some classes that I pulled for our industry that are available. Now you'll notice here, they all start with 041 and then dash and then another number after it. So 041 is actually the class. It's called education and entertainment. It's a very broad class. And then specifically within it, you can list all of the services that your company actively provides. And, you know, my only disclaimer about this is, you know, you want to be very accurate and truthful in your reporting. Don't put something on here that you don't do just because you think you might do it in the future. You can always come back and, and, and refile or amend it, as I understand at a later date. But what you don't want to do is, be dishonest about putting these categories on your trademark because uh, if you were to put something on there that was not truthful, something that your company didn't do, they could a competitor could use that as an, an argument to invalidate the entire trademark. 
So you want to be as, as factual and truthful as you can about the services. But again, these all fall under this class 041. So um, we're going to talk about fees here in a minute. But one of the things that I just wanted to point out is that all of these here are actually the same class. They fall under 041. So if your company did disc jockey, karaoke, photography, videography, bands, whatever, you could have as many of these as you want, and you're still only paying for one class gotcha. on this, the 041. So uh, we'll talk about so now the, some of the fees. So it's a $250 application fee per class, so per category. So again, all the ones I showed you on the previous page, they fall under this education and entertainment. So you're going to pay that $250 fee one time. But if you do something also, if your company does a service that's outside of this class, let's say you do catering, that would fall under one of their food and beverage classes. Or let's say you do limousine services, that would fall under their transportation. So if you, as you start to expand beyond this, this sort of entertainment category, you may find yourself having to register in multiple classes, which is going to be $250 per class. But for, for the majority of companies that we work with, um, you know, this single class $250 is going to cover the majority of the services that they're providing. And um, the other thing I'll mention is the fees range. If you were to look at their website, they'll tell you it's ranges from $250 to $400. The reason why I say $250 is because when you file it yourself online and you have all the information required to file it, the fee is going to be $250. So for, for the majority of, of companies here that are going to want to file a trademark on their company name or their logo, that fee will be $250, but it is possible it could be higher if you don't have all the information needed at the time of filing. The typical process to get this is, is they will say 12 to 18 months on their website. Um, I've done, you know, even more recently, uh, although I probably haven't done a new filing pre, you know, post COVID. So it, it, things may have slowed down during the COVID period, but pre COVID, I was seeing six to nine months. And a lot of it just depends on how clean is your application? You know, is it, is it something that's truly unique? Do you have all the required information? If so, you know, is it going to go through a process and they're going to stamp it and, and you'll be on your way? So, you know, I would anticipate a 12 to 18 month process, but I've, I've seen, you know, as low as six to nine months. Now, again, once, once it's granted, you're, you're provided protection back to that first use in commerce date. So, you know, it's, you can't do anything to go after a company at this point, but as soon as your trademark is filed, you will have that protection dating back to your first and use commerce date, as, as I understand that. So, you know, just getting the ball rolling on this is, is at least, you know, getting the, the, the wheels in motion so that if you do have an infringer, you can, you know, once it's approved and granted, you can, you can essentially uh, go after them at that point. Nice. Um, point number three does not need to be filed by an attorney in the US. You know, this is, uh, we're actually going to show this process in um, at our seminar at the upcoming Vegas show. And again, I'm happy to come back and show it. But you know, it's really, it, it takes me less than 10 minutes to go through their online process, as long as you know what you're doing and what what boxes to check and what buttons to push, it, it can be a very quick and painless process. Um, but if you get stuck on anything, or if you get what they call office actions back from the patent and trademark office, then that's sort of the time to, to really get with the attorney to, to make sure that you're handling it correctly. And we'll talk about these office actions in a minute, but essentially it's you file it and there's some issue with what you filed, either 
something wasn't filed correctly, or they don't think you put it in the correct class, or this, the sample that you provided of your logo is not correct, whatever the case is, they're going to send you back an office action, which just basically means there's something that further that needs your attention. But I don't mess around with office actions, because if you don't handle them correctly, you'll lose your trademark. So that to me, um, I don't know that I've ever gotten more than one or two over the years, but when it happens, that's, that's sort of the time to, to go out and, uh, and, and get professional help. And last, you know, once you get the trademark granted, you're going to want to use the R symbol everywhere, because if you don't use the R symbol, it becomes more difficult to enforce it. You can, you know, if you don't use the R symbol everywhere, your competitor might use your trademark and you can go after them and they'll say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know it was a registered trademark. You right. didn't have the R symbol, you know, and you can still have them cease and desist at that point because you can say, okay, well, I'm telling you now it's registered. Here's the, here's the document, here's the paperwork. Um, but it doesn't, you know, as I understand, it doesn't then give you the right to pursue the legal action because their argument would be, we didn't, we were unaware, you know? So if you use the R symbol everywhere, you use your company name or your logo, you're essentially putting the world on notice that, Hey, this is a registered trademark. And, you know, it's, um, it's protected by all the, all the privileges that come with it. Right. So again, in my, in my, on, in my uh, upcoming seminar, I would actually walk you through the steps here to, to go through their site to file it. But essentially what happens after you get through that, that filing process online is it'll be reviewed by somebody at the patent and trademark office. And as I said before, if there's any problems, they're going to issue what's called an office action. I would go see an attorney at that point just to get some professional advice. But if you don't get an office action and it meets all their requirements, it will be approved. So what does that mean? Well, once it's approved, there's this 30 day opposition period in which anyone can file a trademark opposition. Okay. And this is where, you know, like I was saying, you know, if, if, um, if you were to file your, your trademark and there's another, another company out there that maybe is using it longer and they were to become aware of this, that would be their opportunity to say, whoa, 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 we were using that first. Hold on. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you have to sort of be on the lookout for it. It's not like they're, they're putting this thing, you know, in newspapers nationwide or anything, you know, you sort of have to, to be on alert for these things. So, right. you know, in my experience, I've not had any issues with anybody opposing a particular trademark. I think you see it in, in some highly competitive spaces. You might have a Google or a Microsoft trying to go after a trademark that the other one feels is a, is a common term that shouldn't be permitted to be trademarked. And so they sort of maybe bicker back and forth, but you know, for smaller companies, generally it's, it's not going to be an issue. So assuming no opposition is filed, you're going to get your certificate of registration in about six to eight weeks after that. And, um, that will look like this when you get it from them. And once you get the certificate, finally you're home free and you can start using the R symbol. And uh, I will mention, you know, do not under any circumstances use the R symbol until you get the certificate in hand because it is a, um, it's, it's a very bad legal situation to be in if you're, if you're claiming to have a registered trademark and you don't, and it's not really approved. So don't, you know, I've seen companies say, well, I, I filed it. Can I start using it now? No, you really, you got to wait until it's actually approved and you get that certificate in hand. That's, that's the point that you, that you have the right to use it. In fact, I've so, noticed that people um, will come to me in one of my other businesses and go, okay, yeah, I have a, I want you to do my business card or my flyer and let's put the TM, uh, 
on there or now, the, now the, or the, the, uh, the TM, I, I, I will fairly point out that the TM is, is, does not have to be registered. Gotcha. TM is anybody can put that. It, it doesn't really mean anything other than you're just saying, this is my company's trademark, but right. it's, it's not, as we mentioned in the beginning, it's not really going to be enforceable especially outside of your local market. So there are some things in business that I will use that on because I don't want to incur the expense or gotcha. I don't want to wait the time period. One recommendation I, I would give people is as soon as you register your filer for your trademark, use the TM in the meantime. And then once it's approved, switch that over to the R because again, you're just sort of putting people on notice that this is your trademark and, and you know, you've, you're sort of waiting for the, the full registration to come through. So yeah, so the TM is definitely, you know, if, if a company doesn't want to go through this expense or they don't want to spend the time to do this, you know, I would at, at the minimum recommend putting the TM just to, to gotcha. denote it as that is your company's trademark. But so, again, without the R with the circle, it's, it's not going to be. And, and the R is the gold standard. Basically. The R is the official, you know, hey, we can come after you legally notice. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that. So, you know, the other thing I want to just mention with trademarks, because I don't want people to think that it's $250 one and done. There is sort of a lifelong commitment that goes with a trademark. And I've listed a couple of the renewals here, and these are the current fees, but between the fifth and sixth anniversary of when your trademark was published, you have to file what they call this section eight and 15. It's, it's basically like a renewal form that says you're, you're still using it. And that's $325. And then after that, between every ninth and 10th anniversary, so basically every 10 years thereafter, you have to file this other one called a section eight, nine, which is $425, which again, is just basically renewing it. It's saying, yes, we're still using it. You know, you have to show evidence that you're still using it and that they'll give you another 10 years of registration. So there is a bit of a commitment with it. They will send you reminders by email. And as you go through the, filing process on their website, there's places where you can put in an alternate email address. So I always recommend that companies put in two completely separate emails because this is one email you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss a deadline and, and have your trademark invalidated. Right. And, and, and like you says on here, actually, is that's today's prices, you know, 2022. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know? they've been, I will say, you know, now that everything is online and people are sort of doing a lot of the work themselves, it, it I haven't seen too many huge price increases, but I certainly would expect, you know, especially this one here where you're doing it every 10 years, you know, by the time you get there, it, it may be closer to $500, you know, or, or more, I don't know, but right. that's certainly just a sort, sort of something to keep in the back of your mind. But, you know, I think these fees are, are uh, I think they're reasonable given the, the protection that you're getting from the trademark. And, and as I said, I, I really do believe that, you know, for companies that have that registered trademark symbol, especially when you're talking about local services like ours, like a DJ or photographer or photo booth, it really does, you know, lend to your credibility in the marketplace. And I think that, you know, over, over a period of time, you would expect to see some more business from, from people who are, you know, frankly, taking your business more seriously than, than other companies in your market. So I think there's certainly benefits to offset the, uh, the costs associated with it. So again, my, my disclaimer again, <laughs> and then I, uh, this is a, a lawyer that I, I'm aware of that, you know, I've used for some things in the past. I have no connection to this, 
this individual other than, you know, I, I throw this in there just because somebody will inevitably always ask me when I, when I do this presentation of like, well, who do you recommend that we, that we call if we have legal questions? And, you know, this is just somebody that I've, I've worked with in the past. I don't uh, have any relationship with them other than he just seems to be good at what he does. So that's, but, you know, you can always go to your, um, you know, go to Google and look for a, a trademark attorney in your, in your local market. You know, my, my advice is to, to do trademarks, you have to have a, or to do patents, you have to have a special, a special designation. And uh, usually it's a special type of lawyer, an intellectual property lawyer, but I've seen other lawyers who don't specialize in this trying to do trademark work. Uh, so my only advice is, you know, if you were to consult the lawyer on it, make sure that they're an actual intellectual property attorney, you know, somebody that's licensed to do patent and trademark work that they, you know, that they have knowledge of it. So nice. Yeah. So that's, that's basically it. As far as what I have, I'm happy to, if you have other questions, take them, but you know, um, you know, it's, it's a topic that's, that's near and dear to me, you know, both, both because it's, it's my wife's career. It's what she does for a living. So it's, it's a, a topic of conversation around the dinner table, but you know, it's, <laughs> we've had some, some experiences early on with our own company with, with DJ intelligence back, you know, years and years ago before, unfortunately, before I met my wife, we had, you know, some cases where we didn't have things properly filed. We didn't have certain patents that we, that we should have had. We didn't have certain trademarks that we should have had. And we did have some infringement come through and, and we really had very little recourse other than to tell the people to, to stop doing it. You know, there was no recourse to be able to go back in time and seek damages uh, for the infringement. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I married her because she helped <laughs> us kind of get our, uh, our legal house in order, if you will. But, you know, but, but seriously, it's, um, you know, these are the types of things that you really never think about and you never really don't want to spend time or money on until it becomes a problem. And then, and then you wish that you spent the $250 and, and did it, you know, and that's, yep. that's really my point here is, you know, is, is companies grow and expand and, you know, we have DJs now expanding into photo booths and offering other services. So, I mean, we're seeing a lot of growth in the companies in our industry that this is, I think, an important step to take to, to protect yourself. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. That's been, <laughs> you answered more questions than I thought I had. So that's great. I mean, things that were in here were just, yeah, it makes you think. And really, if you're going to be a professional business, this is not just your side hobby, you know, then you want to protect yourself. You want to make sure that you are doing everything you can to just legitimize, if that's a word, your business and your stance in the community. I think that's a great thing. So Scott, wow, that, thank you. That was great. And you're gonna get more in depth um, and a lot more information at, are you doing the photo booth side or the mobile beat side or which side are you doing? So we're doing both. Uh, we've got, okay. I'm trying to remember the times exactly, but we've got one, uh, the one that we're doing on Monday, I wanna say it's 10 or 11, 10 or, 11 or noon or one, somewhere in that range, but we're doing one on Monday for the photo booth side. And then we're doing okay. one on Tuesday for the DJ side. And he, he's got us um, booked in the big room. I guess it holds a thousand people. So, you know, we're hoping for a good crowd and, and our goal is just to educate and, and try to help people as much as we can. And like I said, we're going to go through the, the actual steps. We're going to file a trademark there on the spot. 
can do it in under 10 minutes and just kind of walk people through the steps. And then, you know, afterwards, I'm happy to share copies of my slides with people if it's something that they want to do on their own and they want to kind of follow through what we show them. So we're, we're happy to do that. Um, and like I said, I'm happy to come back as well. And, yeah. um, and, and, and show specific steps. I'm, I, you know, I'm sure my wife would be um, agreeable to come on as well. If, if, you know, yeah. if, if you have a, a group that, that maybe has legal questions or things, you know, she could probably sit there and, and, uh, and go through them. <laughs> Rattle off all questions. kinds of stuff, huh? And see, she doesn't have to have the disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, a lot of education. And those of you that are listening, if it's before the conference, make sure you get out there. There's a lot of great stuff going on. And actually, if you listen to Rob's podcast or you look at his thing, there's a discount code for the conference, like $120 off your key pass. Um, and I would highly recommend going. So again, Scott, thank you. Thank I you. totally appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you in about a week and a half or so. All right. You'll be there. Oh, I'll be there. Oh, good. Do some interviews. In fact, maybe I'll even shoot a little video of the conference and, and we're going to kind of put together a nice little package Great. to put up onto the podcast um, afterwards. So wonderful. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Sounds great. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Scott Carsunis of Intelligent Inc. Don't forget, make sure to follow us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Now, you can also subscribe to our YouTube page, Wedding Talk Radio, where you can find all the links. You'll find little timelines that you can click and move to a certain point of the interview. And on our website, WeddingTalkRadio.com, you can find all of the description, um, show notes, just about anything and everything that you need. 